how's it going? Welcome to Screen Speak. It's the podcast that is all about movies, life, and a heck of a lot more. I'm Jordan Anderson. This is my podcast, and I really appreciate you coming by and giving it a listen. Uh, if you haven't done so already, go ahead, do do one of those plugs that I gotta get out of the way here. Why am I saying it like that? I'm not really sure. That makes no sense. Uh, I would like you to go ahead and follow and download episodes of Screen Speak on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts at. Please go ahead and support the podcast through following and downloading episodes. You can also check out the Instagram. That's right. There's an Instagram for this thing uh, that's just simply titled at Screen Speak Podcast. So if you go ahead, open your Instagram app, you hit the follow button, you can go ahead and see some some cool uh, behind the scenes things that I do periodically uh, with the podcast or just movie uh, movie related things that I like to share on the podcast. Uh, check it out there. And and yeah, just go go ahead and support the podcast. Tell your friends, family, uh, person in the street. I, I don't know really why, why you would do that. Um, but I don't know. You, you could do that. Maybe you could do that anyway. Um, I actually, you know, this is going to seem like a bit of a random uh, detour on, on this episode. But hey, I'm, you know, what the heck? These, these things happen sometimes. Um, I think it's actually... It's really interesting when you actually have someone come up to you that you just have no, you know, have no idea who this person is, a, a total stranger, and they just come up to you and just start chatting with you. Um, I actually had an experience of that uh, happen recently. When I was just, I was just sitting down somewhere, um, and you know, this person just came up and started striking a conversation with me, and. I think at first I was like a little bit like apprehensive or I feel like a part of me is always a little bit apprehensive when that happens in a situation, I guess, where you're not expecting it because I I don't know. I I feel like in life we always have uh, a guard up, I guess, to an extent when a stranger approaches us. Uh, You don't always know what a person's motivations are. You know, you're trying to kind of get a feed on them or a, a, a feel of them. Uh, when they come up and start talking to you, if again, it's just in a setting that you're not expecting it to be, which in this case could be anywhere. Um, but the person that ended up talking to me, I won't, I won't say a lot about the conversation, but they were nice. Uh, they were just nice. And I think they were just were genuinely, you know, they, they saw me and they're just like, Hey, this person looks like a nice person. I, you know, see them sitting there alone. Well, why don't I go ahead and start talking with them? And I ended up talking to this person for, I don't know, good like 10, 10, 15 minutes or so, and they were perfectly nice. They didn't want anything from me. They, you know, just nothing, just trying to be friendly. And I don't know, that like that got me thinking a little bit, like after the whole thing happened where I was just like, you know, why don't people do that more? Just go up to people and start talking. Like, you know, no, you know, no, no incentive to do so, no real purpose necessarily in doing so other than just to connect with another human being on a, on a open and authentic level and I don't know I just and uh, the t- times are strange right now uh you know pandemic times and whatnot where I feel like I don't know maybe I, I might be reaching a little bit uh, uh, on this subject because not everything is connected to the pandemic but uh I don't really I don't know I don't feel like myself personally like in the last whenever this pandemic thing started in March 2020 something like that um I definitely have had less opportunities, socially speaking, to, you know, try out my skills at just going up to someone and start talking with them. Because pre-pandemic, I actually used to feel like I was sort of getting out of my comfort zone and, and doing that a bit more. 
um, and finding some success with it and, and some fulfillment with, with, you know, having pride. I, I guess I felt a sense of pride in myself anytime I was able to do it, um, and do it well and actually get something out of the experience. But anywho, this has got nothing to do with, <laughs> with the episode, uh, not the episode. It's got nothing to do with the movie that I'm going to be talking about here. So the movie I'm actually talking about today is a, a personal favorite of mine. I could say that about a lot of movies, but this is a movie that upon first viewing, it wasn't one that I really, I don't want to say like enjoyed, but like I, I watched it and I was like, okay, there's some stuff to, you know, be admired about this, but um, it didn't have that much of an impact on me, I guess, upon my first viewing, but then it was just one of those movies where I just had this uh, inclination or this instinct to go back and revisit it because I like some of the elements that the movie did well, and then the more I watched it, the more I was like, okay, this is a movie that is impacting me, maybe in, in more ways than I thought. And, and that's The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, which is a movie, not the original movie, which I will cover that one, the one that was released in the 40s. Uh, but this is the remake of that, of that original movie from the 40s uh, with Ben Stiller. Uh, came out in 2013, and it, it stars himself, uh, Kristen Wiig, Shirley MacLaine, Adam Scott, Katherine Hahn, uh, and, and a, a brief appearance by Sean Penn. <clears throat> um, so let me, let me go ahead and share what the synopsis of this movie is, and then we'll get into all the, the details themselves. Um, you know what? I, just, I, like, I literally just had the synopsis here in front of me, and now I don't know where, where the heck it went. I must have been closing too many tabs open on the PC here. Uh, let's see. So, okay, here we go. <clears throat> so Walter Mitty, played by Ben Stiller, he is an employee at Life Magazine and spends day after monotonous day developing photos for the publication. To escape the tedium, I don't, I don't know what tedium means. Someone, does someone know what that means? I don't know. We'll keep going. To escape the tedium, <clears throat> Walter inhabits a world of exciting daydreams in which he is the undeniable hero. Walter fancies a fellow employee named Cheryl, played by Kristen Wiig, uh, and would love to date her, but ultimately he feels unworthy. However, he gets a chance to have a real adventure when life's new owners send him on a mission to obtain the perfect photo for the final print issue. Mm, okay, <clears throat> I said this in several different episodes, but the synopsis is a, it's okay, but it's not, I would not say it's the most accurate synopsis in the world, especially about the part where they're saying life's new owners send him on a mission. Um, that's not really accurate, especially if you've seen the movie, but I don't want to nitpick. Let's just talk about the movie itself. So... <clears throat> This is, uh, as I said um, earlier on, it, this is a remake, actually, of a movie that was released in 1947, and it starred uh, Danny Kaye, which I'm not going to even pretend like I know really anything about Danny Kaye, other than that I know he's in this movie, I know that he was uh, popular in, in the 40s, and I would say he was a... Um, very physical entertainer from what from what limited information I do know about him. 
Actually, anytime I think of uh, Danny Kay, I just think of that Christmas Vacation reference where Chevy Chase is having his meltdown, and he's just like, we're going to be tap dancing like Danny fucking Kay. <laughs> I, I can't say just the, the way that, that Chevy does, but it's that, I think that's the first time I ever heard of Danny Kay, and then I never really looked into it past that. I just thought it was funny. Um, figured it was something old, and then as I became... Um, as, as I became invested in this movie and just one of these, uh, you know, one of these movies that I revisited, I started to do more research and figure out who he was and, you know, so on and so forth. Uh, but the original, it was released in 1947 and it was actually based on a short story by, uh, the late author James Thurber. I, I also can't say that I've read any of his books, um, but I, I, maybe he was a well-respected author. Some, someone out there that actually reads books, could you, could you tell me that? That would be nice. <laughs> um, <clears throat> excuse me. You know, on the subject of books, I feel like, I feel like a lot of movies that I do watch, there are some great ones like this one, I would say that they're based off these short stories. And sometimes I, I actually do take the time to like note who the author was, figure out who, um, not who, but what this movie was originally based off of, and I try to go and, and track it down and seek it out, but I feel like I don't do it enough, and I feel like a lot of people would probably probably be tending to agree, you know, agree with the fact that they maybe don't have enough time to read. That's that's what I was trying to get at. Um, I really should read more. I definitely think I should. I, I don't know if, if anybody else is in a conundrum like that or feels like they don't have the time to read. Um, yeah, it's a whole different thing, but I would like to read more and uh, maybe I should actually, you know, pick up the pick up this, this book. I mean, it's, a, it's supposed to be a short story, so therefore short. It shouldn't take me that long to read it, but I don't know. Has anyone out there actually read this book? That would be interesting to hear. So let me know. Let me know. Comment or send me a message or something and let me know. Um, but anyhow, so this was released in the 40s. And from what I understand, um, <clears throat> there had been some talk about this movie actually getting remade. I want to say in the 90s at one point. Um, I, I think at one point Jim Carrey was actually attached to Star. And he was working with the original producers, I think, of the movie from the, like, the late 40s. Uh, 1947 to be exact and <clears throat> I just think through whatever whatever different uh, development challenges that this film faced it just ultimately never happened and then eventually Ben Stiller got involved and I think I had read some different interviews and uh, watched him say several times that this movie was a, a passion project of his and one that he, you know, really, really enjoyed and, and really saw the potential of, of updating the story and, and setting it in modern times and, and changing a couple things about it, um, <clears throat> which I think a movie like this, I got no problem if somebody remakes uh, a movie from like the 1940s or something like that, even if it is uh, arguably a classic, which hang on here, I'm adjusting to my chair, folks, got to get. I gotta get comfortable for these things. <clears throat> Gosh, my throat is is bugging me. Um, not sure why. It could be, could be because I went. It it, it was raining today, and uh, I went running. 
in the rain. It was like a five or six mile run and I kind of got myself soaked and maybe that threw my allergies off or I don't know, is it healthy? It's probably not healthy, but I, you know, you know, rain, sleet or snow or shine or whatever that expression is. Um, I don't want to make excuses. Why am I talking about running? You're supposed to be talking about the secret life of Walter Mitty and not you being cold or Okay, yeah. Derailed. You have derailed this part of the podcast. Mm. Anywho, so, <clears throat> back to the actual movie. I guess it was a passion project of, of Ben Stiller's, and I always like it when, when somebody feels a passion for something and believes in a story enough to, to update it and, and whatnot. I think this movie's perfectly fine for, for a remake. I, I'm sure there's plenty of plenty of people that have not seen the one from 1947 i mean if you have that would be great i'd actually love to hear somebody's thoughts on that i admit i've never seen the original should probably seek it out especially since i'm somebody that considers myself to be a a person that very much uh cares about film and and likes film history too so i I really need to get back and and see some of these older movies i i admit that i am not the greatest at at doing that but perhaps after this episode i will be compelled to to go ahead and do that but i digress so one of the things that this movie i think is exploring uh very much so is the the timid underdog um character and you know them overcoming some type of a a personal obstacle to find their best self or some type of a version of that because in this story, the you know the '40s one, and then the the current one that I'm talking about with Ben Stiller, uh, the character daydreams a lot, and and often in his daydreams he is dreaming of versions of himself that are certainly heightened versions of what he actually is. Which in in this case he is a timid, um, pretty quiet. Um, person that works at a at a news publication in this case life magazine and kind of keeps to himself and works on photos in the background and most people probably doesn't even know he exists because um that's just sort of what his life has turned into but what i kind of wondered about when looking at this movie is when when he's daydreaming and and thinking about all these different versions of himself and what is the best version of himself it got me thinking you know, what do I see as being my best self? And I'm also putting the question out there to, to you is, do you ever wonder what your best self is? Or, or let let me phrase the question another way too. Not only do you, you think about what your best, your best self may be, but do you actually know what it is? Which that to me is a much more interesting question when you're thinking about that concept. Um, I think over the years, and again, I I can only speak to myself on this point, but I think over the years, my idea of what my best self is has certainly changed, and and some of that may be just part of life, part of growing up, part of your priorities changing. Uh, I feel like you're constantly shifting and pivoting and and sort of reevaluating and 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 approaching or, or reassessing how. Uh, how you want your life to be and then and when what you're doing to actually do it. Um, <clears throat> ultimately, I think some of this may be tied to like what you choose to do for a career. 
Um, since a lot of people find their identity, their own personal identity tied to, to what they're being paid to do. Um, that's, that's another question you could ask yourself too, is, you know, is your best self tied strictly to your profession? Like if you had your dream job, is that you being your best self or is it something more where it's, it's more about like your actions and and like what you're doing, or if you're tied to something bigger than yourself, I, I don't really know. I'm just kind of, I'm just airing it out, airing out the thoughts. Um, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I guess, answer out loud right now. Do I have an answer for what I would think my best self would be? Um, I'll try to answer it on the on the spot here. You know, I'm not gonna give it a a, a ton of thought right now. But I, I don't know. I, I think my best self, if I had to define it right now, current time in my life and everything like that, it would be, I suppose, more on the personal side, personal action side. I, I think. I think if I do things right on the on the personal side, and if my if my mental state is in a good good spot, and if I feel um, you know mentally sound, have emotional control, um, you know, I'm pushing myself mentally, but uh, physically as well. And I, I'm I'm I, that's not really making sense. I guess I would say that my best self right now is not being afraid. That would be what I would see my best self being: just not letting fear override my decision making, you know, being able to be somebody that takes chances, um, somebody that's not afraid to stand out, somebody that uh, wants more for themselves and is willing to work hard for it. Um, I think I I think I already said willing to take risks, but that's another aspect that I would see my best self doing is, is, is taking risks and, and owning them if they succeed and but then also owning them if they fail. Um, and then I guess, uh, you know, long term, there's the personal fulfillment side. I think my best self is personally fulfilled. He is happy. He is is content with his day-to-day, but he's also forward-thinking and always looking towards the, the future and what the next step is. Um, I don't know. Kind of some broad generalities there in terms of best self. Uh, I could probably be specific and narrow it down to like an actual... Um, you know, professional title or um, a skill trade, something like that. Um, you know, hey, maybe I become like a Howard Stern type or something like that. I don't know. That that, that could be the long-term future for me. I, I, I'm not really sure. I'm still figuring it out, but I, I guess the long-winded answer for the, me asking this question is I think my best self is just tied to somebody who's courageous, takes chances, and and ultimately is rewarding themselves by pushing the boundaries of what they think is possible, both with from themselves, from their own standpoint, and then the world around them, somebody that's really defying things. Um, I would really like to be a person like that, I guess, one day. But I want to know what you think about that, um, what your best self is, and you know, do you know what it is? Do you know how you can find out what it is? Um, it's an interesting, it's just very, it's a very interesting thing for, for me to think about and ponder. And I imagine it might be something for you yourself to be thinking about as well. Um, now, now back to the movie and, and talking about best self, uh, Walter Mitty, uh, Ben Stiller, I think he has these grandiose ideas of what his best self is, but he doesn't necessarily know, you know, how to achieve it. 
though I think he may have an idea of what's stopping him from from achieving it, at least in his mind. Because uh, in the movie, he has a pretty like overbearing mother. Uh, he's kind of got a you know pretty out there, wacky personality of a sister. Uh, it's played by Catherine Hahn. Uh, his his new boss, um, played by Adam Scott's this almost mustache twirling, uh, over the top executive that is just, you know, kind of shitting on the little guy and you know not really, um, not really respectful of his peers. Pretty arrogant, self centered person. Um, a lot of confidence though, that's for sure. Uh, but I don't think he necessarily cares about anybody that would be uh, quote unquote under him. And then also Ben Stiller's position in the movie too. He he works. Um, I'm not going to say the, the term right, but he produces photos for the magazine in the background, which is ultimately not exactly a very adventure, uh, adventurous position. You know, he's probably has probably stayed behind a desk or in the basement. He works in the basement in the life building. So he's probably stayed in that setting for some time. <clears throat> but I do think that a lot of us daydream and a lot of us, have a lot of ideas of what we could be, but I think we also put up barriers or we come up with a lot of reasons for why we can't have something, which is kind of what starts the, the daydreaming process is because we're, we're caught up in a routine or I don't know, we're, we're just in a, in a spot where we just, we, we don't see any way out of it. And so, you know, we daydream and think about something better, but I am curious for anybody else that's that's out there in a similar position to this, which I'm sure there are many, do you think about what's stopping you from achieving your dreams? Um, that might be a bit of a well, heavy-handed question. Not really sure, but I think it's an important question to ask, and it's not to be negative and and focus on what those things are. But I think there's an age-old saying where if you, you're, you're focusing on the problem, but not the solution. But I think in order to find the solution, you have to be able to identify what the problem is. Um, at least I think so. Cause it's, you don't just want to go around negative things that are, that are obstacles to you. Um, and just act like they don't exist because then you're living in denial and then you're not just being truthful. You need to be able to identify what these things are and, and come up with a plan so that you are not letting them continue to be a problem for yourself. Uh, at least that's how I see it anyway. But I think there are often so many things in life that get in the way of people's dreams for success or, or they get in the way of, of a person's success. Uh, I'll just kind of rattle off a couple of things that I can think of off the top. One, um, I think financial circumstances do it for a lot of people. Uh, there are so, so many people, I think, that their sole focus is just putting putting meat on the table, providing for their family, keeping a roof over their head, um, having a nice nice home and nice things. And, and because of that, they're, they're very financially motivated and driven. And they're not necessarily looking for something that gives them a sense of personal fulfillment, but it's just all about chasing the almighty dollar. And they're just chasing a buck. Uh, because it's giving them the that material um, comfort and security and you know dare I say happiness that some people can um, attribute to wealth, but I think some people get they just get burdened financially or they they want more and more and more and and 
if you want more, it comes with a bigger price tag. And so, again, you're just kind of being constantly motivated by the dollar, and that's just what your uh, sole driver is. And, you know, may- maybe you'll be able to achieve your best self through 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 chasing that. I'm, I'm, I think a lot of people would argue that part of their their happiness comes from the – uh, the challenge, the the chase, the the journey of getting from from zero to a million bucks, whatever you want to call it. Um, some people are more competitive than others, so I think some people like that competitive aspect of challenging themselves to get more money, um, even if it isn't something personally fulfilling them, but they like the challenge of it. So <clears throat> there's a lot that you could say or or think with that, but uh, long winded uh, the long winded. <laughs> answer for that part is uh, financial uh, obstacles. That's simply put what I'm trying to say. Uh, Other things too, family. I think family pressures are a big one that often get in the way of, of people feel, you know, feeling like they can fulfill their, their personal uh, desires and dreams. Uh, People's opinions of, of us can, can weigh on someone very heavily. Some people, maybe not so much. There's Thankfully, thankfully, there are a lot of people that don't care what other people think of them. And I truly think they, they, they really, truly feel that way. Like, they do not care what you think of them. And we need people like that. We do. But, that the, but then at the same time, I think you'd be fooling yourself if, you know, you're saying, like, a person's opinion truly, truly didn't matter to you. Like, every person's opinion. And, and that kind of me is uh, trying to attribute that to, like, family, I think, primarily. Um, your parents always are going to be, uh, pretty big, uh, influencers in your life and their opinions, you know, will matter to you, or at least a lot of people's parents' opinions matter to them, I think. Um, so there's a lot of family dynamics, I think, that can sometimes get in the way, especially if you are trying to pursue something that your family does not understand and they don't understand it both from, a like a financial standpoint they don't see how you're going to succeed with it or just from practicality standpoint or just from a even a fulfillment side because there are a lot of people out there that kind of can be narrow-minded in their thinking they're just seeing things from their own unique perspective but they're not always thinking about your shoes and thinking about what makes you happy. It's like, I know that you doing this is not going to make me happy, but it's not, it's not about that. It's about the other person uh, being happy. So I, th- I think there's, there's some truth in that. Did, did, did any of that rambling connect? Did any of that make sense? I don't know. Uh, so let's see. We talked about financial obstacles. There's family, uh, people obstacles. Um, <clears throat> and then... A third obstacle, I would say, and arguably probably one of the biggest obstacles, is the mental hurdles, mental obstacles. Uh, I, I, I could cue up that song here. I'll put in like a two-second sound bite of it. Uh, my Own Worst Enemy. Play it. It's no surprise to me. I am my own worst enemy. People can be their own worst enemies, I think. Uh, and ultimately, I think that those are probably the big three. Uh, financial obstacles, family obstacles, people obstacles, uh, and then your own self. Because uh, mental barriers and, and being clear mentally is everything, I think, in in being successful, whether you attribute success to financial, uh, to finances or, or not. You need to be mentally clear 
to be able to succeed in whatever whatever you define as being success. You need to have clarity to be able to do that. So that's, um, I guess that's my life advice on that. Get some good mental clarity, be mentally sound or work towards being mentally sound. Uh, come up with a system for for managing the people in your life that are going to be positive influences on you. But then if there are ones that are being negative influences on you, uh, find a way to rationally get around them and and pursue your goal um, anyway. You know, don't let them stop you. And then financially speaking, I would just say just make a plan. Uh, make a plan and then just take baby steps to try to stick with it if money is part of that plan. So I don't really know why I'm throwing out this live advice. Just it connects to the movie, you know. There's there's some obstacles that that Walter Mitty has to overcome. Um, so that's why I'm saying all this stuff. So I want to talk about daydreaming now. So so daydreaming, <clears throat> uh, we all do it, right? Uh, I I feel like we all do it, or at least a lot of us do it. I know for myself, I have a pretty active imagination and. I have had a lot of different daydreams, and even as a 30-year-old man, I daydream. Uh, I still daydream sometimes to this day. It's you know just part of who I am. I, I can't always turn off that part of myself, um, you know. So it is what it is. But I'm just trying to think. What are some What are some of the more interesting daydreams I had? I know. I know when I was a kid. Uh, I don't think I've ever shared this actually with anybody. So you're getting some personal insight into myself. I know when I was a kid, uh, when I would ride the school bus, one strange kind of daydream I had is I would, as I would lean my head up against the glass and, and look out the window, I would see, you know, the streets would be whizzing by on the outside and I'd be seeing, you know, sidewalks and all these different things. And I would just kind of stare out the window and, you know, think about a lot of different things. But I always visualized for some reason that sometimes like I like would be like in like an action movie or something. And I would always picture this, uh, sort of a hybrid vehicle of like a off-road AT vehicle, uh, an off-road ATV vehicle combined with some type of a bobsled. I don't know if that makes sense, but I would like visualize this thing, like whooshing by, you know, just, you know, speeding by along the school bus. And I, and, um, for whatever reason, I pictured Jackie Chan was, was driving it <laughs> like the actual Jackie Chan, not just, uh, you know, like some random Asian guy, but Jackie Chan, uh, why it was that specific of a daydream. I, I don't really know, but anyways, Jackie Chan, he would be driving this ATV bobsled like thing and he would just be dodging, bobbing and weaving around stuff and, acting like as if he was almost like trying to catch up with somebody that he was after. And it was cool. Cause I would like picture this vehicle, like ramping up and down these, uh, ditches in the road or, you know, kind of swerving around stuff. And I don't know, I guess the visual imagery of that would keep me entertained and I would be perfectly content just sitting, you know, against the window and, and staring out and, and thinking of, of Jackie Chan, uh, driving, a vehicle that doesn't exist to try to uh, outrun somebody or, or gain or gain uh, momentum on someone. I I don't know, but daydreaming's powerful. It is. It's a very powerful thing. But I also think it's an important thing, especially for somebody that's younger. Because unfortunately, I think as we get older in life, and I think the character Walter Mitty, he certainly uh, experiences that. Um, <clears throat> 
but he's kind of at a point in his life where he's had almost too many daydreams and his life has practically become a daydream where he's not really living it out. He's just living in his mind. And while I do think daydreaming is important and I think it's a, it's a fun thing to be able to do. It's, it's creative. It's helps you make sense of the world. Sometimes it's a great place to escape within yourself if you just need a minute alone. Uh, but I don't think you want to get too caught up in the trap, kind of like Walter Mitty of daydreaming too much without actually taking action and, and living your best life. Uh, at least that's what I think anyway, but anywho, more, more on that here in a moment. Uh, excuse me. So another aspect of this movie that I find interesting is that a movie like this actually has a pretty big budget or this this movie has a pretty big budget i did some research and saw that it actually had a price tag of about 90 million dollars behind it and though i don't think it made that much money i wasn't really trying to focus on that i was just more focusing on the fact that a movie like this can exist with a big price tag on it that's not you know trying to be excuse me it's not trying to be a franchise. It's not part of an existing IPO. Um, it's just, you know, it's telling an intimate story, but on a grand scale, on a big scale. And I, to me, to me, that's really special. It's really special because I don't think a lot of studios, uh, especially as more and more time goes on, I don't really see a lot of studios gambling or making this kind of gamble that much of taking you know, this old story from the 40s and and updating it to a newer audience, but still putting some money behind it so that it can, you know, you know, really the the story can uh, become uh, its full or it can reach its fullest potential. I think that's what I'm trying to say. And I don't know, like movies like this that I see that get this kind of big budget behind it that are trying to tell an intimate story with with, uh, you know, money behind it and everything like that. I just, I want to champion that. I really believe that, that movies like this can, can make a difference on people and that they can, they can really be, uh, beautiful movies to look at. They can, they can say something. They can, they can help other filmmakers that have smaller scale stories that they are trying to tell, get a wider audience and, and find more, uh, commercial success. And again, I'm not saying that this movie did that. Uh, this movie was not a financial hit, but there is something to be said again, just about a movie like this that is a personal story, telling a personal story with um, money behind it, and and it actually connecting with a larger audience and and uh, you know meaning something to people. I don't I don't know if any of that makes sense. I'm not. That's not the most comprehensive thought in the world that I've had, but I, th- I think y- you might get what I'm getting at with that. Just I, I think we got to cherish movies like this or we need to try to foster development of other movies like this so that they can come to fruition because this is a this is a great movie, I think, in a lot of different uh, regards. So I guess in this portion, I'm going to talk about some of those reasons of why I think this movie is, is something that I, uh, admire one, I would say what it has to say or, or visualize with the importance of travel. Um, 
this is a movie where I dare you to watch this movie and not get the itch to like go on a vacation or go 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 get out of town, go on an adventure because this is ultimately an adventure movie. It's uh you know it's a man getting out of his own little bubble and experiencing the world, and I love I love seeing stories like that. Because I do think that traveling is a very important thing to do in life. And I'll say it's uh, important for a couple of different reasons. One, I think that just for your own personal growth and development, traveling outside of what you know in your reality is going to just broaden who you are as a person. It's going to make you a more well-rounded person. It'll make you be more open-minded to other people's lives and circumstances outside of your own world. You will, I would say from an, uh, an experience standpoint, you will experience things that you have never experienced before. You will be able to try new foods. You get to meet people. You get to experience new sights, new smells, new sounds. Um... Maybe even new feelings. You may even feel things sometimes when you travel that you have never experienced that feeling in any other place in the world. Travel can be absolutely beneficial in that regard. I would also say that another benefit of traveling is learning about the real world. And maybe, not trying to be negative again, but learning about what some of the more harsh realities of the world are that you don't always see on TV. I think that's something that is very beneficial for traveling and that you get to learn, you know, the challenges and struggles that other people face depending on where you're traveling at in the world. And I think it's important to see that because if you if you don't travel and if you stay in your own little bubble too much, I mean, your your life stays that way then you're you're just going to be living in a bubble and if you're a bubble person um maybe you're like bubble boy that has anyone ever seen that movie that's a bit of a detour but bubble boy i think that's what it's called with jake gyllenhaal i think it's jake gyllenhaal he's uh he has like a, he's like a kid with like a bunch of autoimmune dis, uh, disorders or something like that and he lives in a bubble and it's a comedy and i don't know it's been a while since i've seen bubble boy i just oh anytime i think of bubble boy i think of the seinfeld episode bubble boy it's it's amusing. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I'm bringing up Seinfeld. Mm. But <clears throat> the point is, is that it's it's uh, healthy from that standpoint, too, is that learning that the world is not always sunshine and rainbows and that it's important to, you know, experience firsthand, you know, hopefully safely. Um, that there are some dangers in the world that you might not be aware of. So it's, it's important to recognize what those are and, and sometimes experience it firsthand. Um, <clears throat> there are certain things I think in life that it won't do, it won't have the same effect if you like read about something or even watch a video of it or have someone tell you about it. There are certain things in life that truly to experience it and, and have it, um, impact you in the most uh, truest sense of, of impact is to experience it yourself. That's, I think, what I'm trying to get at. Um, <clears throat> and then I'd also say, too, that, uh, I mean, I, I could go on and on for all the great reasons why it's worth traveling and, and whatnot, but I, I also think that another reason why it's, it's important to travel is to, I suppose, uh, kind of get away from things maybe 
I think we all need uh, mental breaks or we need uh, a break from our own worlds that we're inhabiting and living in. We need to um, experience things that we don't normally experience. And so sometimes I think traveling can be great just from a, a disconnect standpoint. You're hopefully not saying that you do this everywhere that you travel, but let's say you were going to uh, you were to go camping. And if you go camping, uh, you you know you might not hopefully be on your phone that much. You're going to be away from screens, your your computer monitors, your uh, LED TVs. Uh, I don't know tablets, all these all these damn screens that are around you. You can get away from them, and just get some clarity. Uh, that's one of the best parts of going somewhere that doesn't have that stuff is you're not distracted, and I think you'll find. If you do ever choose to travel to a place that doesn't have that stuff, or or let me say it like this, if you choose to travel somewhere and then purposely intend on not being on your devices and things like that, I don't know, you, you kind of get a light bulb, I think, that goes off that just reminds you how sometimes, unfortunately, plugged in we are to life. And, you know, it's a bit jarring when you're actually away from it for a while because you're like, oh, my gosh, I can think clearly for a change. I'm not being distracted or getting 20 text messages or emails or uh, Instagram messages or Facebook chats or, you know, TikToks and all these other things. It's like, oh, my God, I can actually think for a change. Uh, It's tough. It's tough being plugged in like that. Uh, But anyways, traveling is it's very important. And I would, I would certainly say that for this movie, Secret Life of Walter Mitty, that if you're wanting to get the urge to go travel or you need a good kick in the butt of a reason to go do it, watch this movie because it's going to make you want to travel. Um, oh, and I should touch on uh, one more, sorry, one last reason for why it's important to travel, which leads into my next uh, segment on this, is talking about the beauty in life because just simply experiencing the the world and and all its beauty sometimes is an excellent reason to travel. And this movie, I think showcases some of the most beautiful aspects of life um, in particular with nature. Uh, And one scene, one scene in particular, I I think it's actually one of my favorites in the movie is eventually this mild spoiler, but it's it's in the trailers a little bit. Um, Ben Stiller ends up, I believe it's in Greenland in Greenland or Iceland. And he has to get down to this certain location that he, he's at an elevated position, but he needs to reach the bottom of this, this big elevated position um, quickly, but he doesn't have a car, doesn't have a car, doesn't have a bike. Uh, if he walked, he wouldn't be able to get there quick enough, but he does have a skateboard. And part of his character's uh, backstory is that at one point he actually used to be a bit more adventurous um, and, and used to skateboard and, and do it as a hobby. So he decides that, okay, like I'll just skateboard down this thing. And it's a, it's a breathtaking scene. It, it's truly breathtaking. And I think the cinematography on that scene in particular, it, it's, it, it's, it's a big wow factor. It gets a big wow factor for me. I don't even know how they pulled off some of the shots that they did. Um, the camera is, it's like you're, you're riding along with him on this board as he's careening down this, uh, this elevated position and, um, going around corners and, you know, just, he, he's in the middle of nowhere kind of, but there's just a raw majestic beauty to the whole thing. And 
it's uh yeah it's it's an amazing scene like that scene alone is worth the the price of seeing this movie if you're gonna buy it or uh rent it somewhere it's it's amazing for that um something else that i wanted to talk about on on this episode as well is why it's important to to leave your comfort zone um which it doesn't always have to be associated with traveling if you think about it you don't necessarily have to go halfway halfway across the world to get out of your comfort zone you could you get out of your comfort zone by doing something across the street that you might not normally do or even even a little thing because i don't think that everything um associated with your comfort zone again is associated uh, per se with travel but I think there's, there is valuable, um, there are valuable things to be gained when you actually choose to leave your comfort zone. I would say most notably you would gain a lot more respect for yourself. I think that's probably the biggest gain of, of doing something outside of your comfort zone is respecting yourself or reaching a higher level of respect for yourself. I I would also say that... <clears throat> There, there could be other gains associated with it too. It could help advance you in your career. Um, it could help you get noticed sometimes by the right people, um, by seeing somebody that does, you know, that's not afraid to take a chance and and do it with, do it with integrity or do it with uh, grace, do it with humility. I don't, I don't know if maybe maybe some of that doesn't make sense, but you may get noticed sometimes when you when you choose to do something that ordinarily you might not do or in this case I would say what people don't expect of you um, because even though I can say myself like I'm not always caring about like what other people are thinking about me that said I am mindful that even if I don't necessarily on a personal level care about what they think of me you need people around you to you know, to be successful. I mean, I, I would challenge anyone to say that they got to whatever they define as being success alone. Um, success involves people. You have to work with people around you. So, um, leaving your comfort zone may open doors for you to find the right people to help you get where you want to be. That's what I would say. Um, and anywho, I think it's beautiful in the movie how, Walter Mitty quite literally leaves his comfort zone on on many different levels. He he travels more. Uh, he talks to people out of his usual social circles. So I think that's a way of leaving your comfort zone. Um, goes to places in the world that he would ordinarily probably not be comfortable in. Uh, especially like if you're not like an outdoorsy person, he definitely goes to some pretty exotic locations in that in that respect. Um. And then I think he certainly is uh, does things on a more adventurous level. I mean, at one point he he jumps out of a helicopter into shark infested waters. Um, he is almost killed from a volcano. Uh, he goes like climbing in like the the mountain climbing in like the Himalayas. He skateboards in uh, Greenland and he uh, plays plays volleyball. Uh, or not volleyball, but I think he plays soccer with like some kids in Afghanistan or something like that. Though, um, I'll talk about that part in a moment because that is uh, 
an absolutely amazing breathtaking scene in the movie once that happens but point is with that last part leave your comfort zone do it sometimes don't get stuck doing what you're doing if you feel like you need a good swift kick in the butt to to get out of your comfort zone i think then you know say it say it to someone because sometimes i think it's not enough to always find it in yourself to do it even though i would say that's a good first place to start to get out of your comfort zone is finding it within yourself to motivate yourself to leave it. But sometimes you need to ask and uh, you need to ask somebody to, to help you. And there's nothing wrong with that because like I said, we need people, not just solely ourselves to, to get us to the place that we want to be. So I, I don't know. I, that that's been my experience anyway. Mm-mm. So I love seeing that aspect of this movie. Um, Something else that I wanted to talk about, uh, just in terms of the cast, actually, of this movie, is I want to talk about Sean Penn's character, uh, which I, th- I think his name's just Sean O'Connell, I, if I remember that right. So, <clears throat> throughout the movie, Ben Stiller is trying to track down Sean Penn's character, Sean O'Connell, who is this very um, well-regarded uh, photographer. He's been working for a long time. He is a I don't know if he's a journalist, but he is definitely a pretty extreme photographer capturing like, you know, wars and and dangerous places in the world and animals and, you know, very exotic things. He goes to pretty hard to reach places in the world to capture things that are very hard to get on film. And so he's a he's a hero in a lot of ways to Ben Stiller, but he needs to uh, Walter Mitty needs to track him down because he, Walter Mitty, believes that he has this negative, this uh, negative photo print of this, you know, amazing photo that needs to be the final cover for Life magazine. Because in the movie, there, uh, the magazine is transitioning to an online-only publication and and not a uh, magazine. So this is going to be like the final physical issue of Life magazine. But. <clears throat> The reason why I wanted to bring up Sean Penn's character is because his character lives a very different lifestyle or certainly not an ordinary lifestyle compared to a lot of different people. And I mean even adventurous people because he lives off the grid most times. Um, I think they say at one point in the movie he doesn't have a cell phone. Like he actually sometimes if he wants to get a message somewhere, he would use like a telegram service that... I don't even know if any of those are still in existence or not, but he really lives off the grid and has this reputation for just being down in the dirt and being a very um, naturalistic person, somebody that doesn't need a lot of comforts, um, you know, could probably stay sleep in the mud somewhere if it means it'll be a good story or something along those lines. Um, And anywho, once Ben Stiller, which... Okay, here is a spoiler. Um, once Ben Stiller, Walter Mitty reaches Sean O'Connell, even though Sean Penn and his character are not physically in the movie that much, I think the scene where they get together and you know he kind of gives just a little bit of insight into himself, maybe not directly, but you know just the way he talks, even you're you're kind of learning things about his character and who he is. Um, <clears throat> He seems to be somebody that enjoys living a life of solitude. Not always. Like, it's not to say that he always does that, but I think he has no problem being away from society. 
you know, being alone a large portion of his time because in order to get a lot of the, the photography that he's looking to get and capture, it requires him going again to places where there's not a lot of people. So you have to probably do well and be self-motivated enough to not have to have uh, people constantly around you telling you what to do. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, that said, I think there's something to be said about somebody that would so deliberately choose to live a life in, in comfort. Um, I don't know if, if I could do the type of lifestyle that his character does, but I think I admire a lot of it. I, I admire somebody that isn't really so reliant on other people to have a happy life. Somebody that can live off of next to nothing. I think there is definitely something there's something there in thinking about living like that. Um, I can't even really describe it right now, but just thinking about it makes me think about, you know, maybe it would be interesting to try to live that way for a while and just to kind of see what would happen. I don't know. Maybe I should do that. Should I do that? You know, just go off the grid for like a month or just, just leave up and leave and don't tell anybody where I'm at and just, completely disconnect myself from the world i feel like i've always wanted to do that honestly part of me has always wanted to do that will i ever do it um i don't know it remains to be seen i guess if i don't if i don't post an episode for like a month and no one hears from me i guess they'll be like well he watched that movie the secret life of walter mitty too much and i guess he's wanted to be sean penn we should probably go look for him in the himalayas trying to photograph snow leopards i, I guess that's where he's at <laughs> um Anyhow, just think about that. Think about if you would want to ever live in a, a life of solitude or if you always want to be around people all the time. But while you're thinking about that, uh, I want you to to look into this next scene that I'm going to talk about or, or, or think about this scene. So shortly after he finds, uh, Walter Mitty finds Sean O'Connell, um, they had this really beautiful, quiet moment where he's he's photographing the snow leopard, um, and I think he I think he actually like takes the picture, but he's just like yeah, he's like I'm not gonna give it to anybody. He's like that's just this one's just for me. Just just makes me happy. It's so beautiful, um, which I think that's actually pretty cool. You know, like you would you would risk all that just just to have something for yourself and not share it with anybody. Um, that's pretty cool, but. <clears throat> Once the, <clears throat> excuse me. Once the scene is uh, is over, um, Sean Penn sees these uh, neighboring, yeah, these people not that far. They're like down from the slope from where he's at, and they're playing around with a soccer ball, and it's in like a desert or something like that. And <clears throat> he's like, "That looks like a pretty fun time." He's like, "I'm just, I'm just gonna go down and do it." I don't think he was planning on doing that as an impulsive decision, but he's like, you should, you should come, Walter. He's like, you should come with me. And I guess Walter at that point is just like, well, I came all this way, so why not? And it proceeds to, I'd say, one of the most beautiful scenes in the movie, just encapsulating the beauty of life and, you know, experiencing something with total strangers and, I don't know, there just being something there. Um, I talked about how that skateboarding scene is one of my favorite scenes that captures that kind of life beauty. But this scene is probably number two um, in part because of just how well shot it is. They, 
they're they're playing around with this ball. You can see it kicking up a bunch of dirt, and they're you know just playing with people that are that could not lead a more different life than what they are. They like you would almost think that these people wouldn't even be in the same space together normally, but yet they're they're able to connect over just this universal activity, uh, soccer, or they're able to connect over just a mutual thing that they like to do, you know, and there's something beautiful about that. There's something beautiful about just being able to connect with total strangers and just share in a, in a little moment like that, even if it is just kicking a ball around in the dirt. Um, it's a, it's a gorgeous moment. And like I said, it's filmed. So it's filmed amazingly because there's like a sunset and you can see like there's silhouettes reflecting, um, against the light and there's a couple of like just little uses of slow motion here and there for it and it's great and i think what puts the scene over the top for me is the smart use of music um that's used in this movie which i would i'll say very quickly but then i'll i'll talk about the actual specific song um they uh what am i trying to say here They use this song by the band uh, Junip. I think I'm saying that right. It's, um, I think it's the song called Don't Let It Pass. I, I believe that's the song that's in the scene. Somebody can correct me on that. But the song combined with the visuals and and everything, it just it makes it like a damn near perfect scene. Like there's nothing I would change about that that sequence in the movie. And I love it too because there's no words. You're just you're just listening to the music. You're seeing the you're letting the visuals tell the story, and it's it's simple. It's it's beautiful, and it's just a it's a great part in the movie. And uh, real quick, just to give the soundtrack a plug, uh, I got to look up who the composer of this is really quick. Uh, I just had it up here actually a moment ago. Who it, no, what? No, I'm not trying to... Sorry, this weird thing came up, but this guy that looks like Darren Aronofsky showed up on my Spotify feed, and I'm like, that's not who I'm looking for on this. Uh, Who did the... No, I'm not looking for the... Okay, the, Theodore... Um, I just... The, Theodore Shapiro? Okay, yeah, I think I'm saying that right. Theodore Shapiro... Um, he's actually a really good composer. I'm, I'm seeing some of the other movies that he's, uh, composed. He did like Marley and me, um, did, uh, I guess he worked on the trolls movie if that's helpful for anybody. Uh, collateral beauty, uh, new newest releases, the eyes of Tammy Faye, that Jessica Chastain, Andrew Garfield movie. I haven't seen that yet. Um, <clears throat> anywho though, the score and the soundtrack combined in this movie, it's, it's really beautiful. It's very, very simple. Um, I like that they actually use the band Junip, which, um, again, I guess I'm plugging them a couple of times. Look them up. They are a good band. Uh, in particular, the songs Far Away and Don't Let It Pass. Those are great songs. Both of them are in this movie. There's a song by the <clears throat> uh, independent band. I, th- I think it's indie. indie music, maybe. Maybe they're indie, maybe they're not. Uh, Rogue Wave. They have a song, uh, the band Rogue Wave. It's called Lake Michigan. Um, I actually run to that song a lot because I, I like to run, and it's a very, very motivational, uplifting song. Uh, I think at one point they play Arcade Fire's uh, Wake Up. That's another great song used to great effect in the movie. And 
again, just the score and the the clever choices of songs that they use in the movie, I think it all fits very well with the movie's dramedy tone um, that it has. And anyway, yeah, I'm just I gotta plug the soundtrack. It's a great soundtrack. Listen to the score, listen to the to the music within, and I think you will be pleased that you that you did it. Um, okay. <clears throat> Final thoughts on this movie. It's it's coming down there. We gotta we gotta wrap this up, or I gotta wrap this up. So final thoughts on this Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Um, upon first viewing, it's not necessarily I would say a movie that you might connect with immediately, but I think if you give it a chance, and and especially if you repeat. Uh, if you if you watch this movie more than once, uh, I was trying to say repeated viewings. If you watch this movie more than once, I think you'll find that there is actually uh, a lot of beauty that is in this movie, and there's a lot of interesting uh, things to think about. I guess I didn't say a pun on that, but I mean, <laughs> you you will think about a lot of things outside of your own life, and in a way, maybe you'll daydream about uh, about those things because this movie has a lot of daydreaming in it. But there's something to be said about daydreaming and and when you need to step away from what you've been doing and do something different, something perhaps even radically different. I think this is a great movie to show you what is possible in the world if you're just willing to to step outside of your own, you know, routine or whatever you want to call it and do something new, open yourself up to something new and, and see what can happen. Uh, because I think ultimately, even if things don't go the way you plan, I don't know. I think you'll be glad that you did it. And this is a movie I think that's worth, um, that's worth taking a ride on. It's, it's worth, it's worth a watch. It's worth watching more than once. Um, and I think there's just uh, there's a lot to be said in this movie, and it's a beautiful movie, and and I really like it. So, if if I have if I do have anything to, uh, if I do have anything negative to say, I'll throw one negative in. Is there are a couple of scenes where there tries to be comedy interweaved a couple of times, and it doesn't always work. And and I can I can say that even after I've seen this movie a couple of times, one scene in particular. Um, I think they, they maybe do it maybe more than once. I'm not sure. Uh, but they have like this very specific reference to the curious case of Benjamin Button, which was a, a, a movie with Brad Pitt. I think it was released maybe a couple years prior to this movie. And there's this sequence that it, it just kind of, it keeps going. Like you just think like, Oh, this is going to be a quick little reference to that movie as like a joke. But then like it plays out as like a whole scene and, by the time it ends, you're just like, I think they are trying to like make this be like a haha, like that's that's funny, and they're like they're really stretching that out. But that scene in particular, it still doesn't work for me. And there's a couple of other little scenes like that where it kind of throws off the the parts and pace of this movie that work really well. Uh, but outside of that, I think this movie is sweet. I think it has a lot of heart. I think the score and and sound the the soundtrack and score are are great. I think it is ultimately a telling a nice feel good story, and it is a movie that I could easily recommend um, to anybody that's looking for something different and maybe wants to um, just watch something that's going to make them feel good for a day. I would I would recommend the Secret Life of Walter. So there you go. 
that is it that's going to wrap it up for this episode so i really appreciate each and every one of you for coming by again 